All right. I'm going to begin like I did last week. And maybe you're familiar with this, but uh, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's precious possession. Do we know that by now? Okay, repeat it. Anybody? <laughs> I, I, I don't mind having that in my head, okay? So, so as going through this, of course, I, I, I am drawn back to that uh, second chapter of 1 Peter, verse 9, where Peter just lays out those precious words, declaring that we belong to God, we're his people, which also means that uh, we've also had this other identity upon us. We're aliens and strangers in this world. Uh, we're, we're, as you see by the title, we're continuing on where we left off last week, such good lives. Uh, as, as identity, there it is, all those qualities, all those uh, specifics that are laid out for the people of God, there in, in that verse 9, that's who we are. That's our identity in Jesus Christ, what God has created uh, through Jesus for himself. It's us, his chosen, his precious possession. So I, I find that exciting. What, we, what happened last week was we went into 11 and 12. That um, when, you, when you hear that description, you're thinking, man, uh, what does that mean? I mean, what does that look like? In, in people, and, and that's a great question because anybody that's identified like that needs to be something special, right? Therefore, Peter in chapter 2, uh, in 11 to 12, lays out a couple of things that, that, that begins to state this is the identity. Well, first of all, there are people who, who are, um, why do I do that? Who abstain from sinful desires, you know, those desires that wage war within us. Uh, we abstain from sinful desires. And the second thing is that, that phrase, live such good lives among the pagans. That's what we're doing in this world. We are pursuing what it means to live such good lives in this world. Uh, so that was our sermon last week. In that uh, defining such good lives, Peter actually uses the rest of chapter 2 and the rest of chapter 3 to identify what it is that living such good lives. Last week, we finished up with chapter 2 in the beginning of chapter 7, and it was actually just in, in, in this perspective, in, in, a, in the perspective of those who, who have authority over them. The, the way we live our lives with authority over us, that, that is like government authority, or for wives, husbands, that's what's listed out in the scriptures. It is to submit, that one word. We're to submit to those governing authorities that's over us. And, and the, the second part of that is, well, if you're in authority... And, and some of you have authority, depending on maybe job or, you know, maybe there's uh, those who are uh, police officers that would be governing authorities or uh, those who, who establish laws. Uh, that, that, again, that kind of authority that we submit under. But maybe you're in those offices. You have that respect. Maybe you're a husband. Then, then what, what is, you know, how do we deal with that uh, life? How do we live such good lives? In that chapter 3, it says, hey, listen, be considerate. Being considerate means uh, un having understanding and, and being respectful 
towards those that, that you lead. And, and so husbands, I, I know the example laid out in Scripture is for husbands to be that way, but I believe that also goes into anyone who has authority in this, maybe God-given authority in our lives. That's how you treat, with consideration and with respect. So that's where we were last week. We're going to continue on uh, from where we were. Uh, chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, if you want to use your Bibles, encourage that, or your devices, it gives you that opportunity to hold your phone in your hand. Uh, first, first, first Peter 3, uh, beginning verse 8, and we're going we're gonna to start just through 8 through 17 to start here. So let's read that. Actually, Peter begins with finally. And finally also, you know, kind of identifies, you know, we're going to wrap this up or here it is. Here's the uh, uh, consensus or here's, here's the ending. So he says, finally, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. I guess we add those words to submit and also to be considerate and respectful. Um, verse 9 says, do not repay evil with evil. Or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. There we go. Take a breath. Uh, all, all through this, I mean, live such good lives. We've already had this indication that, that we do this in a world that we don't belong in. Again, aliens and strangers. And, and it is uh, also part of, of, what is it, verse, uh, uh, verse, verse 12, sorry. Verse 12 where it says, hey, live such good lives. And to do that amongst people who accuse you of doing wrong. Uh, the, the truth is, as we're in this world, we know conflict. We know conflict. As, as we seek to love Christ and, and to serve God in this world, we're going to face conflict. Uh, there, there's troubles in a world that is evil. And so overall, I, I, I want to set my sermon on this, that we are called to live good in the midst of evil. Uh, we're called to live these such good lives uh, we're, we're called to live good in a world that's evil. And, and so Paul, I mean, excuse me, Paul, Peter makes a few points that we want to look at this morning. We're starting with this. Out of verse 9, it actually says this. We are to repay evil with good. Man, I know we have difficulty with that. 
If, if, you, if you love watching TV shows and things like that, man, the best stuff is to watch is when revenge takes place, right? This is so contrary to that, where, where, the, where the good guy gets the last word and the, the bad guy gets taken out, you know, uh, things like that. It's so contrary to the things of this world. Uh, it, it, it speaks that, that we're to live good lives amongst those who, who would threaten us or, or would, would even look to do us harm. And, and so, uh, again, you know, it, it's throughout this passage that it refers to, to the evil that's in this world. Uh, how do we do that? How do we live such good lives? Well, we need to consider our words. Uh, if we consider our words, what is it that we say? What, what kind of good can we say? Uh, matter of fact, I think it's more by restraint that, that something good. It, it, perhaps there is nothing good to say uh, concerning those who are doing evil against us. So we cannot uh, retaliate with slander. We, we cannot speak harm. I know, I know, man, YouTube is, or not YouTube, but, but Facebook is a great place to go and vent Tell about the, the evil things that, that uh, maybe your boss or maybe your neighbor or, or maybe a family member has, has done and, and trying to, I, I, want, I want you to join me in, in hating the person that I'm hating right now so I'll say slanderous things so easily uh, on, on Facebook or other, you know, other forms of uh, uh, technical, oh, I, I can't even think of what it is, but uh, uh, technology, TikTok, I, I, I don't know. I see a lot of that every once in a while coming up. I hope we're not a part of that. I hope we're not a part of that. Matter of fact, in verse 10, here's what it says. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and, and their lips and, uh, from deceitful speech. Man, human nature, though, is to lash back, right? Human nature is to speak back, is speak it. And boy, that makes me feel so much better when I could tell someone how I feel about that person who did me wrong. It also comes in actions, though. Scripture, you know, Jesus, when he spoke, he, he said something incredible. He said, you know, you, I, you know, in Scripture, we're supposed to love God and love one another, but it also says, Jesus is the one who pointed out, we're also supposed to love our enemy. That's difficult. Paul comes alongside of him and says in Romans 12, 17 through 20, he said, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. That sounds good. God's going to deal with it. God's going to take care of it. That is not for you to do. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. So what's the action that we do? Man, if there is a need in my enemy and I can meet it, meet it. There's some good. Or if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's, again, from uh, Romans chapter 12. Now, I, I, I thought about an example as I was going through this of, of something that always amazed me by David. If you remember the story of David, David was anointed king as a, a young boy while Saul was still king. He was anointed as king, and, and as he grew, Saul uh, just wanted to, to, to kill David. He, he, he threw a spear at him. He sought to kill David, and, and David had two opportunities to take Saul's life. 
twice, once while he was sleeping and once while he was relieving himself in a cave. And, and in the cave, his men were gathered with him in the back of the cave, and they were saying, here's your opportunity. Here's your opportunity. Take out your enemy. And instead, David, David refused. He said, you know, who am I to, to, to uh, uh, harm uh, the Lord's anointed? Uh, where, was, where was David's concern in that? Where was David? Was it, oh, because, you know, Saul or maybe it was Jonathan, but he didn't say that. It was, it was God. He was, he, was, he was a respecter of God, loved God, and served him. And his actions, even when he had an opportunity to take out of his enemy, he didn't move because he loved and served God. I, I think we can look back at David, but we're called to the same thing. Right? To, to keep God in our perspectives, to keep him in our focus. Uh, in, in verse 9, the, the second part of that uh, says, Because of this you were called. That's NIV. Because of this you were called. You were called uh, so that you may inherit a blessing. I want us to understand this. This isn't, this isn't saying, hey, listen, when you react like this when you treat others, then you, you're going to earn that inheritance. When you first read it, man, it's, it, it really does sound like that. It sounds like I'm going to earn this inheritance if I'm just kind, I show kindness, or I live this good life even in front of those who would oppose me or, or, or speak evil of me or anything like that. And, and we know that's not, that's not anything we've heard about the gospel it's not something that, man, we have to earn, like, oh, go be nice to people, and then you're going to in, in, uh, earn this inheritance. What is it that we were chosen for? Uh, uh, just to, to, or what are we called to? What are we called to? We're his chosen people. We're his royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're God's chosen possession. It's, it, it's something we've been given. Matter of fact, we go back to chapter 1, and that verse 3 says that we have been given an inheritance. Uh, we, we are living, we, we, are, uh, we have received this new birth into a living hope, which is established upon the resurrection of Jesus. And this inheritance is ours. So what we have received, what we've been called to, what we've been given in this inheritance calls for us to live a life that is going to represent the God that's given all this to us. It is respecting him. It is loving him. And therefore, yeah, it's difficult when an enemy speaks against me or, 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 or falsely accuses me of something, what do we do? Live such good lives. Live such good. That has to be in mind. I know there's so many cases, and I've, I've, I think we've, we've uh, brought that up before, and then someone will, will bring me a case by case. Well, how do you handle this? I, I usually always say it begins with prayer. God, help. <laughs> I know what you called me to. Do you know the difficulty that I'm living in? Father, help me to love my neighbor who I'm at odds with. Help me to love my neighbor that's done some honorary things that, how do I speak to them? How do I confront them? How do I carry on a conversation? How do I treat them well when they're treating me poorly? Hey, again, 
Keep that in mind of who you are and who you belong to in order to help you to treat people of this world, even though they seek to do you harm or speak ill will of you, to treat them differently. All right? Uh, that, that really goes hand in hand with what, what uh, 11 and 12 says. We belong to him. We're seeking to do him well. And then verse 11 says, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Yay. <laughs> if our pursuit, our identity is that, and our pursuit is to love and honor him, he is paying attention when we are lifting up our request or praying on his behalf and, and, and laying out the request of others, maybe praying on behalf of others. Riley, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad Riley's here. We've been praying for this little girl and her family for a long time. You're not watching. I know you guys have been watching, but now. Uh, and so, Riley, what this says is that, that, man, if we're pursuing and loving God, he's hearing our prayers, and he's answering them. So we're praying for you, and we love you, okay? Oh. Okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> uh God calls us to live these good lives. And the second point he makes is this, that we must be prepared to give an answer. We must be prepared to give an answer. I love this. In the midst of it, our, our responding, our responding to him, oh, live such good lives. But what do we do in the midst of, of evil and, and, and wickedness or, or someone who seeks to do us harm? How do we do that? It, it begins at verse 14 saying, well, hey, first of all, don't fear them. Don't fear the threats. Matter of fact, in verse 13, he says, hey, don't, if you're doing good, why are you worried about harm? Or why, why are you worried about them doing anything against you? Because you're living those, you're, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not, you're, you're living in a way that's going to be the benefit of others around you if you're living good, right? And, and therefore, it says, why, are, why would you worry about being harmed? But in verse 15, it says, but even if you should suffer for what is right. That means it is possible, right? You, some of you have told me and shared with me that in your work, because of your faith, you feel like things don't go your way. Your, your boss who kind of favors others who have the, the, the worst language or gets drinks afterwards and, and, and uh, conducts themselves differently, you feel like, man, you, you get the shaft. And, and so there is that possibility if I'm going to live such good lives, there are those in this world that are just going to be annoyed by you, irritated by you, and treat you differently. So he says, it is possible. Even if you should suffer for what is right, uh, you are blessed. How are you blessed? Chosen people. I, I got to do this to remind. I, I love repeating it. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. You are you're God's precious possession. Okay, there's the blessing. We belong to him. Don't forget that. Uh, then he says, do not, be, uh, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Don't fear them. Don't fear their threats. Don't fear the harm. And don't even, don't even fear, I think, the abuse they could throw upon you. It's possible, yes, but why fear them? 
He goes on to say, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. But in your hearts, why, why don't we fear? Because Christ, uh, Christ has taken every enemy or anything that could really be destructive in our lives. That's our own brokenness and sinfulness. Revere him. Set him apart. He is holy to you. He is set apart in your life. And he is Lord. I'm not going to fear anything else because, man, anything that we could truly fear, he has conquered. He's Lord. He's conquered those things. In that, we are to then have a defense if anybody asks us. Matter of fact, uh, let, let me read that. Uh, always, always be prepared to give a defense or an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Uh, be able to speak to, well, where, where's this going to come from? Uh, if, if we are living such good lives, here's the possibility. Others are watching you. They're watching your marriages. They're watching how you're raising your children. They're watching how you conduct yourself at work. And it's good and possible that someone is going to come up and says, hey, I notice you live a little different. Uh, why? Are you ready to give a response? Be prepared to give a response. And, and then on this is, you know, what, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Uh, give a response for the hope that you have. Uh, we've been going through First Peter, but early on in First Peter, and, and maybe this will give you a place to begin, First Peter 1, verse 3, where it's giving praise to God for what? In his great mercy, he has given us new birth uh, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's the gospel. I, that's what they need to know about you. That's what they need to know about you. To be able to say, I have been reborn, I, I, meaning I have this opportunity to, to, to be forgiven of the sinfulness in my life and, and to start anew and fresh in a relationship with God through my Savior Jesus Christ. He died on my behalf. He's taken my sins and covered them with his blood. Therefore, hey, I'm a chosen people, a royal Okay, I won't do it again. Although, man, I want you to know it. That, that's who, that's my identity, and therefore, that's why I live the way I do. I mean, that's part of it. Uh, being able to, to, to share with others your testimony, your story. Uh, we've encouraged you before in this, but, but what is your story? Are you able to, to, to put it into words in, in the place? And not just uh, good things started happening, but, but to tell the story of Christ. And when you, you knew that you needed your sins forgiven, and so you turned to Jesus, and he brought you into a right relationship with his Father, and it calls you to live different from this world. Yeah. To be able to share that. You know, the, the elders had a retreat this weekend. One of the things we did Friday night was just getting better acquainted in, our, uh, in those stories, in those testimonies. We went, went, went around the table, and, and I heard some things that I didn't know before and, and, uh, from these, these guys. But in every story, it was about what Jesus had done and how they had connected with God and, and, and some significant things in their life where they knew that God uh, was, was working in their lives. And it was, it was just a, a great time. But to have an opportunity to tell your story to someone who's looking at you and wondering, why are you different? 
Why are you different? It might be the one who's accusing you or the one who's throwing uh, difficulties your way or causing trouble in your life. Or it could be those on the, the, on the side watching, watching how you handle your family, watching how you handle your boss or, or your neighbor. There are people watching, and I, I want you to be attentive and, and, and look for them and, and wait for that answer because it says to be prepared, to give a defense for why you live the way you live. Are people asking? Are people asking? You know, why did you do that? Uh, how is it you could stand up under such scrutiny you know, and, and such difficulty? Anybody asking you that? Oh, man, pursue what, what Peter is saying. Hey, live such good lives. Not just in the good stuff, but even in the difficulties this world throws your way. And, and those questions will come. We re- represent God in our response. Verse 15 and 16. Uh, the, the last part of verse 15 says, you know, here's how you do it. You don't do it in, in a sense of vengeful or angry, def- definitely not out of a bitter heart, but you do it uh, out of gentleness. I, excuse me, I turned the page here, so i got to get back to it. Uh, we, we do it out of gentleness and respect. We do it out of gentleness and respect in our answer. We also keep a clear conscience. Here, let me remind you of this. When I say that, hey, when they accuse you of wrong, make sure that you didn't do some wrong, all right? Uh, the, the wrong they accuse you of should be something that, that you did not do. But if it is something that, that maybe, maybe we did something wrong, that as a believer, part of that good life, I believe, ought to be in going to them and apologizing, making restitution, restore, whatever needs to be done. I believe a follower of Christ has to follow through with that. But in, in this case, because of your good life, and they accuse you of wrongdoing, and that's not there, then you should have a clear conscience as, as we live our lives. Keeping that clear conscience. Uh, this, uh, this will, actually, the last part of 16 says that uh, uh, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It, it, you know, they're, they're, those who are evil, those who are out to get you, There's going to be shame. It could be out of your good attitude and the people watching around or your good life and the people watching around or it could be as they stand before God in judgment. It is not our responsibility. Again, that's out of our hands. That is laid in God's hands. Finally, we learn to live more like Jesus. I believe what what he he states, and I'm going to actually read 18 through 22 to finish up. But we're called to live more like Jesus. And that includes we're called to live more like Jesus in his suffering as well. What? I I didn't know that. Well, maybe that a, a good clue to that was when Jesus told the disciples, hey, take up your crosses and follow me. That doesn't sound easy. He didn't say, take up your picnic baskets and follow me. It was, take up your cross and follow me. So, so every indication is this life was not going to be easy to live for him. And in chapter 2, verse 21, I found it very interesting where he says it clearly. Uh, when, when he's speaking about slaves to the masters, uh, to, the sla- uh, to the slaves, man, if they treat you harshly, uh, in, in verse 21, 
Uh, he says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. I believe that message is for all of us. We know that, man, we have the opportunity to, to resemble Jesus or to, to, to identify with Christ, live for him, and, and emulate him in our lives, even in this area of suffering. Let me begin reading at verse 18 uh, in this, this part. It speaks of Jesus and what he's done for us. Verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism. That now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It gives you the resurrection. It, excuse me, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Uh, I, I've got to break this down and make this simple, but it, it, looking at just verse 18. What is it that Jesus did for us? Suffered. We know that Jesus suffered. His ultimate suffering was upon the cross. His ultimate suffering was upon the cross. And what Jesus faced was unjust. It was unjustified suffering. Now, the, the accusation was, hey, Jesus, he, he's a blasphemer. No. It's not blasphemy if it's true, Right? That he is the son of God. He is the son of God. The truth is that he suffered because of the envy of those religious leaders that, that sent him up. That, that, you know, cried out, you know, crucify him, you know, uh, before uh, the authorities. We want him crucified. Jesus was unjustly uh, sentenced and he suffered unjustly. But he did that, and it, it, they knew it was, I mean, God knew it, that was exactly what was going to come when he sent him. He knew that was going to be the result. It's prophecies. He was going to be that suffering servant upon the cross, right? The, the next phrase says, the righteous, Jesus, the righteous for the unrighteous. We're included there, right? Uh, at, one t at one time, we were not a people. Uh, but now we are his people. At one time, we, we didn't have the mercy, but now we have mercy. And, and so one time, we were the unrighteous. And so righteous Jesus went to the cross on behalf of all those who are unrighteous. So that what? So we could become righteous. Matter of fact, it, uh, this is unique to Peter and only Peter. Paul doesn't ever refer to it this way. But he has brought us to God. Uh, the, the righteous, to bring you to God. He did all that to bring you to God. Paul doesn't say it that way. And, and again, Peter's unique to this. He has brought us to this relationship with God through his suffering. And, and all this we're identifying. Hey, what, what's the connection in all this? Well, we're called to do the same. In, in suffering, it is going to be for his sake. 
If we're suffering while, while living and declaring the, the gospel message, amen. That, that's, yeah, it's going to happen. To live such good lives, suffering could come. Be ready for it. Represent Christ in your suffering. Be righteous. You are able to be righteous. Why? Because you're living his righteousness. He died for you, the cleansing through his blood, right? You're, you are righteous, and, and you continue to live amongst the unrighteous. And you have the opportunity to change the world of the unrighteous with that message of Jesus. That message of Jesus, what we need to declare to others, that message of Jesus Christ. And, and, and thirdly, uh, that, that idea of bringing you know, Jesus, we need to declare that message of Christ. It's not our message. Our message is Jesus. It's his message. Our message is what Jesus gave to us, that gospel message. The, the final line there, I'm going to delve into it. I've got just a little bit of time here. Uh, but, but in the end, you know, all the suffering. Here's, here's the promise. He was put to death in the body for his suffering. And, and here's the great promise. Even in Romans it says, man, if we've been like him in his death, we're going to be like him in his resurrection. Uh, that last line in verse 18, but the body made it, uh, uh, oh, excuse, was made alive in the spirit. Verse 19 and 20, everybody's going to ask all kinds of questions, and I, I only have a moment I just to spill it. Well, where did Jesus go? Uh, Genesis 6, if you're interested in that, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and, and it man, to declare and think of things that were happening in the spiritual world, but the thought is this, that angels, during that time before Noah came, came and they, they were with uh, women and, and had, inf- or had, had babies, and this is in that time of wickedness before Noah came. And, and they were taken and imprisoned for all eternity. They were put in prison. So the thought is this, that Jesus in his resurrection came to life and went and, and announced, wasn't you know, preaching to them for their salvation, but announced to them, declared to them uh, their judgment, their judgment that was upon their heads. And, and ultimately it comes in, and here's the connecting part of why Peter brings it up, was to point out that through that water, through that flood, eight people uh, were saved through that whole event. That goes clear back. Look how, man, the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus affected all time. Although it's here in the middle, it affected clear back in that time where where. Uh, man, God's great declaration is, is he wins. You know, this judgment upon evil and, and the, the righteousness to those, those who place their faith in him. Uh, ultimately, this is what he says, and you too are saved through the water, that water of baptism. And it, that is where we had that opportunity you know, in our beginnings to identify with Jesus through repentance and acknowledging, saying, I, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. And that baptism, that, that water represents the death, our own death in, in, into, our, into sin, and, and then life uh, being brought up out of the water, a resurrection into a new life in Jesus Christ. Woo-hoo. You are the chosen people of God. You are the royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people uh, precious. You are God's precious possession. That's your identity. And that's how we live. 
Jesus is our example, example, and he is the one we live for. I, I want to just repeat this real quick. We are to live such good lives. And in wrapping it up, Peter says we are to repay evil with good. That's the extent. Even, even to those who are evil, throw things in our direction, uh, we, we're to live good lives, even on their behalf. We, are, must be, uh, we must be prepared to give an answer, ready to declare that gospel message of Jesus, what we have, so others will know him as well. And we will learn to live more like Jesus, even in that area, even in that place where we might be called on to suffer for his sake. That, I'll tell you, that is a privilege to suffer on behalf of Jesus. He hung upon the cross for my sake, to carry my sins, to bear my sins. Uh, there, are, there are those in the New Testament looking for persecution. Don't, don't recommend that. But they were, they were anxious for persecution because they counted themselves. That, that was a privilege to suffer for Jesus. So if we go through difficulties, if we're, we're going through hardships, praise God for that. Praise God for that. Let me, let me repeat it one more time just because you need to hear it. You need to take it in your head and hearts. This is your identity in Jesus Christ. You are a chosen people. Okay, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a precious possession. Hey, I want you to be able to repeat that and think about that during the week and make that part of your prayers because if you, if you repeat that to man, that's what Jesus did for me, then it's going to go up to glorifying him and celebrating him for all he's done for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do praise you for, man, our identity in Jesus. Lord, we'll just declare it here. There's, there's no one here this morning who, who believes that we are worthy of what you've given to us. Lord, it, it simply is, comes down to the fact that you love your creation. You love us. And you have created uh, this salvation for us through your son, Jesus. We praise you and thank you for what we've been given. Lord, an identity that, that we really don't deserve. And even now, I know, Lord, that we go through struggles, but we praise you for that opportunity to repent and to continue to pursue this life of living good on, on your behalf and, and doing it in front of those of this world who need to know and come to that place of glorifying you, of coming to know you as God, the great Savior uh, of humanity. Lord, we praise you for the message we have. We praise you for the lives you've given us. Strengthen us and watch over us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.